Welcome back, Richard. It's it's good to see you again. Nice to see you. Yep. Happy uh, happy weekend. We're at the end of January. Um, actually, we both are have been celebrating our birthdays over the last few days. Oh, that's right. And, yeah. um, you know, it's just that time of year because so many of us uh, that in our families celebrate our birthdays right around the same time. So, right, January's birthday month for a lot of us. Um, yeah. You know, a lot of lot of lot of uh, lots of celebrating in the middle of January. Uh, absolutely. Um, and the middle of winter. I guess uh, we're right in the throes of winter. Um, everywhere yeah. in the country now. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So, but today we're going to talk about, we're going to revisit a topic that we we kind of talked a little bit about back in November. In November, we did a podcast about the stages of marriage. And, and we talked about how at the different stages of marriage, um, you know, sort of our roles and responsibilities and the way that we feel about our marriage and everything, you know, kind of adjust and shift and change a, a little bit over time. And and, and more specifically, some of the work that we have to do in these different stages to to keep the marriage healthy and to keep the marriage going, because you know there there are these there are periods in the marriage where where that is more difficult. It is more difficult to you know stay engaged and keep the keep everything lively and moving and and happy and healthy. And so you know, but we did that podcast back in November, right. You know, when we when you talk about those seven stages, um, we all are familiar with stage one, which is the honeymoon stage, where two people are madly in love with each other. And most of us in that first stage um, don't think about the other stages that are coming. And some people say there are three stages. Some people say five stages. We happen to like the seven stage model. There's nothing. Um, I mean, you, you can you can conceptualize this however you want. But in every case, the first phase is that I'm in love, we're in love, and this is going to last forever. And that's, we don't know, because 50% of marriages don't last forever. 50 to 60% of marriages end in divorce. And many other marriages, while they don't end up in divorce, are not happy relationships. They're not happy unions, okay? But in that first phase, everybody's happy. We just can't, but what we need to do is we need to anticipate that there are going to be other adjustments, other stages that this that every relationship goes through. And it's really helpful if you know and can anticipate what those stages are, what the pitfalls are, what where are the landmines, where are the dangers at each phase. For example, we all know about um, the escape phase where you've been in the relationship for five or six or seven years. And suddenly you say, this isn't what I bargained for. And some people panic and they leave then. Or they want to leave the relationship or they find somebody else who they think is more attractive. Yeah. But if we know the stages and you know what the problems are, and then you can manage each stage a little bit better, except for the honeymoon stage. I think the honeymoon stage is the easiest part. I think every other stage has unique challenges. Right. There, there are going to be problems. You're going to, and couples need to be aware of these and to know how to manage them. Well, well, I think that the challenge with the honeymoon phase is that um, is that we're blind, you know, yeah. and we have to we we well, have to find a way to to see each other in in a real set, mm-hmm. you know, in a real way. And, and right. I think that that's one of the reasons why a lot of people end up getting getting married, um, and especially doing so very quickly because. You know, th- that this is the phase where, you know, 
Love is Blind, you know, you, you don't see some of those things that, you know, later on is going to potentially be a problem. And so we have to be mindful about um, about some of those perspectives. But you're right. I, I You know, as we always believe, you know, uh, knowing what to expect, knowing um, what's coming so that you can be prepared for it is is always the best approach, because then you're not surprised. It doesn't come out of nowhere. And you're, you, maybe you and your spouse have already started talking about it and you're saying, you know, Hey, I know that this phase is coming up soon. You know, we're right. getting into, you know, we've been married for now five or seven years. And so that seven year itch is going to, is going to be coming around the corner anytime now, how can we keep this fresh and stimulating and enjoyable for both of us? That's right. I mean, there's a reason why there are these two danger zones in marriages that five to seven year period, and the, about the 18, 19, 20 year period, because that's when the kids are, that's empty nest. Right. So there are good reasons for these, these things. You know, people frequently use the phrase, the grass is greener, the grass is not greener on the other side. And I think what we need to remember is that you get discouraged, disgruntled, uh, disheartened by the merit, by the relationship that you're in. And you think, oh, this would be better. What will be better in the second relationship is the honeymoon phase. Right. You're absolutely right. But remember, there are six other phases that you're going to go through with that new partner. Okay. Right. And I think that's what people forget is that, yeah, the honeymoon phase will be great. It's going to feel good. It's going to get you all excited and energized and youthful. But now the other six stages are waiting for you. And you're going to have to negotiate those all over again with another partner. Right. A absolutely. And whenever someone says, you know, the grass is greener, the grass is always greener on the other side. You know, I, I like the idea of of combating that with uh, if the grass is greener on the other side, then you need to take care of your grass. Right. You need to do something to take care of yours or taking care. Of mm -hmm. And that's the nurturing and, and um, working that you need to do in your relationship to to try to get it um, back to a healthy, healthy place. That's right, because you're going to be there again in the next relationship. But believe me, okay. The only thing that may be different, there are three givens here that we always start with. One is when you're in a relationship, you have to want to be together, okay. You have to, and that's the first question I ask couples if I'm doing couples therapy. Do you do you want to be with this man? Do you want to be with this woman? Do you want to be with this person? Do you want to be together? Okay. Because if you don't, if you really don't, or you don't value, and the second question is, do you value the relationship? Right. Do you, how important is this relationship to you? And I like for people to say, this is my life. This is the most important thing in my life. If they say, we don't have a relationship, you know, so is the relationship, because what you're caring for is not another person. You're caring for a relationship with another person. Well, Richard, so, I think that that's so important because, you know, if you, you know, if a couple comes in for couples therapy and your first question is, okay, do you, do you really want to be together? Is this something that you both mm -hmm. want to work for? If one of them says, yes, this is, this is my life. This is what I want. And the other's like, eh, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure. There is not a lot that a therapist can do. That's to, right. Outside of, you know, working with that individual, perhaps to see if you can, you know, rekindle right. something or help them mm -hmm. find uh, meaning uh, again in the relationship. But but if one of the one of the two in, in a couple isn't interested in maintaining or rebuilding or fixing the relationship, th that's 
that's getting close to the end of the, you know, there's nothing right. much that we can do. And the, and the most, the, the most valuable role a therapist might play is to, okay, if you're going to separate, then separate calmly, separate amicably. You don't have to have a bloodbath. You don't have to have a war. If you're going to separate, do it gently, especially if you have children. If you don't have children, it's easier to walk away. If you have children, it's much more difficult, it's much more at stake. Right. So first of all, do you want to be together? Second, every couple needs a reliable problem-solving procedure. Right. Um, if, if you don't have a way to solve, because you're going to have problems, you're going to have disagreements, you need to have a reliable way of resolving your differences. Many people say, we never argue in front of the kids. That's part of your process. That's exactly what you should. You should say, okay, how are we going to solve our problems? Maybe we should leave the house and discuss it. Um, discuss it early. Whatever you need to do as a couple, you have to have a way to resolve your differences. And, right. and you have to use it. Right, right? absolutely. Now, the third um, the third given, and, and this is really the... the topic of focus for today's podcast and that is there, there has to be there, there have to be rules there have to be rules of engagement right. rules of battle rules of whatever you however you want to frame it mm -hmm. um and and that that could be you know these are things that we're never going to talk about or or, we're, or that you know we're not going to just bring up out of nowhere if we're going to talk about this we're going to we're going to prepare each other and say hey tonight i would like for us to talk about this and so that we both know that this is what's going to happen so that there's some understanding um right. but another thing is is and again this is the main topic for today is there's also going to be some things that you should never say exactly some, some things that should never be said some words that should never be used um and and we have to be you know we have to agree on what those things are mm -hmm. um you know one of the things that um you know, just as an example, this isn't even one of the eight things that we're going to talk about today. But um, mm -hmm. one of the things, I, it 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 befuddles me. It, it blows my mind when I talk to couples, and um, when they are in disagree, having disagreements or arguments, they call each other names. Mm -hmm. They they curse at each other. Um, they they call each other the, these derogatory names, and they know it hurts the other person. I mean, you know, to be called some of those things mm -hmm. is, is right. not very, very nice. But this is a person that you love. This is a person that you care about ab above all others. Mm -hmm. You're going to call them those names. And so when we talk about rules of engagement, that's the kind of thing that we're talking about. You know, there should be a limit. There should be some boundaries that says, okay, you know, no matter how upset I am, I'm never going to call you this. Right. That's um, right. And, and we need to stick to those rules. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, because even in wartime, we have rules. We're, we're seeing this play out now in the Middle East, where you know the United Nations is saying, has Israel crossed a line? Have they broken mm -hmm. these agreements, these rules of engagement, where you don't kill civilians, or you don't kill children, or you don't rape women? Um, so there have to be some rules. Every couple has to have rules of engagement. And you can't break those rules. Right. Winning an argument can't be more important than maintaining your relationship. Right. I mean, that, that's why we get nasty. Right. And that's why we use these very uh, problematic names, hurtful names, is because you want to get your point. You want to win the argument. You want to defeat. That's not what this relationship is about. And you can't 
want to win more than you want to sustain a relationship if the relationship is valuable. So the first question is, do you value the relationship? If you do, you're going to have rules of engagement. Right. If you don't value the relationship, then it's no holds barred. You can do whatever you want. Okay? Right. Absolutely. So, so what we want to talk about today are, are, are this last thing is things you should never say when you're having a disagreement with your partner. Okay. Um, and this is an article that was published in December, 2023. And we just want to walk through these, uh, these eight and discuss each one. And hopefully, if you're listening and you're in a relationship, uh, take these to heart, think about them, and um, see if you can put this information to good use. Yeah. And now, now the irony is that the title of this is um, things you should never say to your partner. And the first thing is you should never use the word never. Um, <laughs> the, but the, the first rule is you have to avoid overgeneralizations, right. saying things that you always do this or you never do that we have to be careful using those kinds of those kinds of words because rarely is that the case you know never listen right. when i'm talking to you <laughs> well that's not true um you know there may be times maybe situations where where your partner doesn't listen or doesn't seem to listen but it's not that they never listen or right. you, you always do this mm-hmm. not not always Right. Now, it may be more times than not, but, you know, when you use the overgeneralizations, what you're doing is you're trying to um, put the other person in this position of you're always the bad guy. You're you're consistently doing things to mm-hmm. hurt me or to bother me or to, you know, to mm-hmm. damage the relationship. And, and usually that's not the case. You know, that, and the other thing that it does is it moves the whole discussion from the problem. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a couple right now. For some reason, it really bothers him when his wife or girl partner um, leaves her socks on the floor. Uh, nobody knows why. It just it really bothers him. <clears throat> All he wants to do is to get her to pick up the socks and put them. In. If he says, you never put your socks, that's immediately going to put her in defensive mode. They're both going to forget about the socks on the floor and they're in full battle combat. Now they're in full battle gear and they're going to have a big, this is going to become a huge discussion. Mm-hmm. All I want you to do is pick up the socks. Mm-hmm. Bernie, you've said this many times. All I want you to do is clean your room. You don't have to like the idea that you're cleaning your room. I just want you to clean your room. Okay. We don't need to go into a much larger discussion about you never do. You're always, your room's always a mess. It's not always a mess. It's a mess right now. Let's focus on the problem at hand. Don't make the problem bigger than it really needs to be. Right. The second rule of engagement is mm-hmm. avoiding what's called deflection. And we we use deflection in some pretty interesting ways. But one of the ways is um, our, our, our partner or significant other will say something and you'll say, yeah, but... <laughs> And then we go into an explanation for why they're wrong or right. why there's an excuse or there's other an exp- another explanation for, for the problem. And really what it means is that you're not really listening to each other. Right. You're not right. really paying attention because, um, you know, yeah, but oftentimes comes immediately after the statement from your partner. And so what that means is that as your partner's talking, you're already trying to think of an, a, a, mm-hmm. a 
an exemption or a way to excuse the behavior. And so as soon as they finish, you say, yeah, but you did this the other day or yeah, but you said it was okay for that to happen or and, and it's just a deflection to to shift away from really, again, what's the what's the point that's trying to be made off to some other explanation or excuse. Right. And a, and a good example is cell phones. You know, people say, hey, can you put down your cell? Can we talk? You know, can you put down your cell? Well, you're on your phone more than I am. You know, they say, yeah, I will. But you're on your phone more than I am. That's deflection. That's moving everything away from the issue at hand. Right. Listen to your partner, hear what they're saying and deal with that issue. Stay on that. Stay focused on that issue. And most of all, don't deflect, because when you deflect, you're saying to the other person, I don't value what you're telling me. I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'll give you a perfunctory, I'm sorry, but you really don't mean it. And then you're, you're, you're shifting, you're shifting from the request or the problem to something much different. Okay. Absolutely. The, the third is to avoid comparisons. And, and, you know, it's interesting how, Parents, especially, will will talk about mm -hmm. this with their children. They'll say, "Oh, I'm no, I'm not supposed to compare." But mm -hmm. so there's they're using the second um, mm -hmm. second violation. Um, but they'll say, "You should be more like," and you know, we're making here. We are making comparisons to some other person that we're idealizing, mm -hmm. and you know, this is I, I get where some of that comes from. But the, I think one of the problems is that, you know, you don't really know everything about that other person. You know, you're, you're not in a, you're not married to that other person. And so you should be, you should be more like, you know, Richard, you know, he does this and this and yeah. this, right. well, but you don't know all these other things that he does that exactly. be a problem for you. So right. you need to be more like him, but there's so much about him that you don't know. So, yeah. but making comparisons like that really, like you said, it's just going to put the person on the defensive. And it's going to make the person feel like, okay, so you're valuing the other person above me. Yeah, but you're, you're that, those have to be some of the cruelest words. You should be more like your brother. Mm -hmm. Well, first of all, it puts the brother in an elevated position and it completely dismisses mm -hmm. the other child. You know, right. that I don't value you. I value him. That's what they're hearing. Right. I don't care what you intend. I don't care what you meant, but that's what the child is hearing. Yeah. And a partner, it's the same thing. You should be more like so and so. I don't know what so and I don't know what Harry and 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 his wife do. I don't know what their relationship is. I mean, maybe they've re maybe they've negotiated a completely different relationship. All we have is our relationship. I don't know what they're like. I we don't live there. Okay? Right. So don't ask me to be like him because I don't I don't know their life. Well, and it just opens the door for him to say, "Well, I can't be more like him because you're not like her." <laughs> you know, if you were more like her, maybe I could be more like him. You know, so it it doesn't really get you anywhere. It it, it gets you into that escalating uh, circle, right? Absolutely. Now, another way that people do these comparisons is they'll say things like, "This was never an issue in my other relationships," <laughs> or "I don't have this problem with anybody else." Right. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, so that you know, again, now you're comparing your partner to other people, and you know, the, the definition or what, what's really at the meaning of that is the pro you're the problem. That's right. If you say to your partner, I don't have this problem with anybody else. You have now said, this is, I'm not the problem. You're the problem. Yeah. Okay, that's what, that's the message here. Yeah, absolutely. And 
when you say, I, I don't have this problem in any other relationship, keep other people out of your relationship. Don't, don't, we talked about compare, don't make comparisons. Don't say, I don't have this problem with anybody else. Right. Nobody else should be in your relationship except the two of you. You have a unique relationship. Absolutely. You know, it, and another way that this, to think about this or another maybe manifestation of this is, um, well, my mom thinks that you need to do this. But again, why are you bringing other people into our relationship? Why are you why are you talking to other people? You know, I, I mean, I get talking to other people to try to problem solve and things like that. But when you say things like, well, my mom thinks that you should do this or, you know, um, Richard says that you should that, that this is what should be happening. Um, what you're doing is you're saying that you have shared all of your intimate information with these other people in right. such a way that they feel like you're the bad guy. You're right. the one that's making the mistakes and making the errors. And so you need to fix this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Again, it's fixing blame. It's all that that's what most of this is about, is it's 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 shifting blame and you're blaming the other person. That's not going to solve your problems. Right. Like okay. Yeah. Um Number five, over, one of my favorites, <laughs> you're overreacting. Right. And this is a this is a dismissal. And what this is saying is that, OK, you're voicing your concerns or your issues, but those aren't really issues. You know, right. you're, you're overreacting. You're you're too needy. You're too much this or too much that you're just overreacting. And, and it's just disregarding, dismissing their concerns or their issues and saying that they're insignificant and that they don't really matter because right. you're just overreacting. Yeah, when you say those kind of words, like you're overreacting, what it, what it, it implies is you are becoming the judge mm -hmm. of what an over, how do I, I don't know that you're overreacting. I mean, that's, I can't judge that. Maybe you're, Maybe your reaction is perfectly appropriate. I don't get to make that judgment. Okay. It's not for me to say you're overreacting. Maybe you're not overreacting. Maybe your reaction is exactly appropriate. If you're called a name, somebody uses the B word, right. which is common in relationships or the A word. Unfortunately, yeah. Right. And it's very common to blurt that out. If that's a if that's a trigger for that person, then maybe their reaction is perfectly appropriate given their history, okay? You don't get to decide who's overreacting and who's not. There, you're not the you're not keeping tabs. You're not the arbiter of what's appropriate and what's not appropriate. So don't say things like you're overreacting. You're not the judge. You don't get that privilege. Right. And now with this, I'm going to jump ahead to number eight because I think that number eight goes along very well with that one. And that's right. number eight says you, you one of the things you should never say is it's not that big of a deal. Not a big deal, right. Um, mm -hmm. And again, what you're saying is, is that you're acting like this is much more of a problem than it really is. And, right. and it's, um, in many ways, it's saying um, you're, you're putting more into this. You're, you're making this more of an issue than it, than it actually should be. And so again, you're the problem. You're right. the issue in this, in this argument. That's right. And when you say when you say to another person, well, it's not that big a deal. Well, it might be for that other person. And you're you're belittling and you're um, you're you're negating, not listening their feelings. I mean, right. Maybe it is a big deal for them as the partner. You should be listening more carefully and judging whether it must be a big deal for them. So don't don't tell them it's not a big deal. 
apparently it is. Right. And, and again, the, the sort of what goes along with this, um, what would be number seven, is, um, is telling your partner to calm down. Again, what you're saying is you're too wound up. You're not being reasonable. You're out of control. So you just need to calm down. Right. And calming down, that may be exactly what needs to happen. But when you say it, especially when you say it in the way that many people say, hey, just calm down. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, hey, calm down. You're, mm-hmm. you're just getting too crazy. Right. It's not that big of a deal. You know, all these things kind of go together. Again, you're you're trying to put yourself above them. Like, look, I'm calm. You know, I'm <laughs> look at me. Can't you be like me? Mm-hmm. Right. And, and we, we, again, we have to avoid that kind of, that kind of behavior. Yeah. When I hear, when I hear people do that, um, they say, calm down. Now, obviously this person is upset about something. If you care about that person, mm-hmm. you're going to listen carefully and try to understand what's going on here. There, there's obviously something really concerning to my partner right now. And rather than telling him or her to calm down, maybe you should listen carefully and try to understand why did they get to this point to begin with? Mm-hmm. Not tell them to calm down, but hey, honey, what's going on here? There's obviously something that that I didn't realize, or but there's something that's really bothers you. And I hear that. And let's figure out what that is. Not, right. not just calm down like be like me. I'm I'm calm. I stay calm. No. You don't get to occupy that high ground. Right. Now, the last um, thing to avoid, and, and again, I think this goes, maybe it goes along with what I said at the beginning, and that is saying something like, you're you're crazy. Or <laughs> it, this to me is the same thing as just calling somebody a name. Right. Uh, yeah. You're crazy. You're unreasonable. You're irrational. You're, you're, you know, this, or you're that you're, you're, you're mm-hmm. calling names. You're, you're, right. You're trying to insult your partner, and if right. this if this partner is somebody that you care about, why would you be in a position where you're going to insult them, where you're right. going to make them feel less than? Um, because you know you talked about the high ground. You know, that's when you when you call somebody crazy. What you're saying is is that I'm I'm elevated above you, and I can dictate what's crazy and what's not crazy, and you're crazy. Right. Um, and that's not a healthy place to be in a relationship. And when you say to somebody, you're crazy, are, what are you saying? Are you saying you're mentally ill? Are you saying you're too highly aroused? Are you saying, what are you saying when you use that phrase? Are, are you telling me that I'm mentally ill? Is that, do you, is that what you mean? Or that I'm too loud or that I'm too angry? What are you saying with you're crazy? You know, be very careful with these things. So these are eight things, that we, as the title suggests, eight things you should never say. They fall under that heading of you have to have rules of engagement. Mm-hmm. And some of them are words that you don't know, words that you don't use, names that you don't call each other, and phrases like this that you don't use. What I would recommend, if I may, what I would recommend is look at these eight, think about them, do all you can to avoid using them, but also look at each one and how can you turn each one into a positive? If you want to say to your partner, you always blah, blah, blah. How about something like you always say the right thing? You never hurt my, you never criticize me in public. You can take these, what are usually negative phrases, and you can turn each one into a positive. 
Right. Go, tell your spouse, you, you always, honey, you always say the right thing. Mm-hmm. You're always available. You're always patient. Turn it around to make it positive. Right. Yeah. And, and I think that it's important to, to, you know, take some of the own, your own advice from this. You know, if you're at a point where you're having to tell your partner to calm down, maybe the entire situation is getting so elevated where you need to say, it would be good to say something like, you know, I feel like both of us are getting really worked up right now mm-hmm. about this. Can we take a break for a few minutes and come back and talk about this when we're calm, when we're both right. a little bit more, um, a little bit less emotional or less. Yeah, you can, exactly. You can say, wait, honey, I need to calm down. You know, right. not her. I need to calm down. Let me give me a minute. I'm going to go outside. I need to calm down because I don't like, my, I don't like this version of me. Right. So let me calm down and we can come back and talk. Right. Mm-hmm. A- absolutely. And so be more, um, more I statements instead of you statements. You need to That's do right. You need to do that. Talk right. about yourself and, and mm-hmm. what you need um, to, to, to manage the situation. So, right. Mm-hmm. All right. So the, 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 there'll be a link in the show notes to the article about this. And so we encourage you to, to read it. We will be talking a lot more, of course, about relationships and all the stuff that we talk about over the next few weeks. And as we get into, as we continue into 2024. So, right. all right, that's it for today. Until next time, stay happy, stay healthy, and forget to be afraid.